I want to go back to, to my college years. 1997, I was a junior in college. And the summer between my junior year and my senior year, I had just gotten my life rocked by that first trip to Juarez, Mexico, and so I signed up for my first overseas mission trip. If you've been on an overseas mission trip, raise your hand for me. Look at that. That's so awesome. I signed up to go to the mountain kingdom of Nepal. And man, I'll never forget flying in, and, and, and it was one of those crazy things because the guy I was sitting next to was this old trekker, and he was talking about how, how he had visited the Dalai Lama, and I'm like, what in the world? Am I in a movie as we're going through the Himalayas? And we land, and I, I, I remember, you know, you, you walk out, and these massive, majestic mountains, and we go through the airport, and the second we step through the door, some of you have had this experience in a third world country, we just get mobbed by people who are, who are wanting to carry our luggage for us. I'm like, we are in a different world. And we drive in these taxis. We like have to kind of fight for our luggage. We, we drive to this charming little Kathmandu guest house. And I remember going to bed that night and waking up, you know, you're, you're jet lagging. So you wake up like at three in the morning, Bang, I'm ready to go. And, and I'm, I open the windows and I just start reading the Bible and praying it. And these verses started coming alive to me. Like never before, Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heavens, you're there. If I make my beds in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. I'm like, oh my gosh, God, because I'm feeling the presence of God in that little room in the Kathmandu guest house. And I'm like, God, I'm on this far side of the sea and you're here. Like the Bible's true. One of the reasons I love going to the nations is that the Bible starts coming to life. I, I, love, I love going on a journey with God. Let me just tell you today, you were made for a journey. You were made for a great journey. Well, we, we, we go out that first morning and we get in rickshaws like bicycle rickshaws, and we're, we're flying down the streets, and, and I mean, I'm going, whoa, we're out of control, and I remember looking at, at, at the guy who discipled me, Mark Masterson, and he's like, ha, 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 he's, you know, I'm thinking, we're going to die, and he goes, why would we stay at home when we could do this? <laughs> we, uh, we go to this lake town of Pokhara, in one of the most beautiful places on earth. And I mean, there's this, this island with this Hindu temple in the middle. And, and, and we don't know people in this, in this town. And so they said, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to be waiting on the Lord to be led by the Spirit. This is brand new for me. I've, I've told you many times I came from the, the frozen chosen. And so we, 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 we didn't talk about, well, the first time I heard we're going to wait on God, I'm like, wow, you know, people have been waiting for about 2,000 years. Um, and no, we're going we're gonna to listen for God's voice to speak to us, to lead us. You know, and I, so I, I, I don't even have faith the size of a mustard seed for this. I have zero faith that God's going to speak to me. But we're, we're in the room. We, we, we do our normal worship time. And then we said we're going to go out and we're going to believe that God's going to show us people that we're supposed to talk to. Like he's going to reveal to us where to go, what to do. So we, we waited on the Lord. 
And I remember just sitting there, you know, and I closed my eyes. Maybe you've had this experience. And, and just black screen, nothing, you know, and you're kind of just, you know, and you're looking around at everyone, and they're kind of in these heavenly moments, you know, and you're like, this is, I, you know. But I, I remember right towards the end of my waiting on the Lord and black screen, just one thing pops up, boom, wooden flute. And, and so, I'm like, well, that was strange. And we start going around the room, and if you've been with a group like this, you know, some people are very poetic. And so they're like, I saw a majestic river flowing from the throne. And hark, there were angels that, you know, and, and, and people are saying these things, and people are saying these elaborate things, and they come to me, and I'm like, and, and you know, they zero in on me. I'm, and finally, I'm like, flute. <laughs> Stop, flute. You know, and uh, so we go out into, into the city, and we're, we're walking around, and, and, you know, it's beautiful, but man, I, I'm so timid. Uh, I, I, I'm not a naturally bold person, so I, I'm, I'm afraid of, uh, of sharing the gospel, so I'm just kind of going, you know, I'm, I'm, an, I'm the designated prayer. You know, you guys share, I'm designated prayer, right? That makes you look spiritual, at least, and, 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 and we're... We've walked around. We're finally coming back. Turn the corner, and poosh, it is a vendor selling only wooden flutes. <laughs> Never seen it in my life before. Never seen it since. This is the one place on earth where one vendor sells only wooden flutes. And, and I go, that's it. They're like, look, it's a flute. I'm, you know, I'm telling the person, they're like, yeah, see, God speaks. You know? And I'm like, that's it, cool. Okay, let's go back. And I leave. And they're like, no, no, you need to talk to him. I'm like, no, that was so cool. God showed me that. <laughs> you know, so they drag me back. <laughs> Real man of faith and power, right? And they drag me back, and, and, and uh, I just start very broken sharing the gospel. This person actually speaks English. It's crazy. Right there. Boom, person gives their life to Jesus. <clears throat> Once a Bible, we go back, follow up. My circuits are blown. I mean, I, I am, I'm with this is crazy. This is really cool. This is next day. Waiting on the Lord. You know, and, and, and when you have something like that happen, your faith starts growing. Next day, waiting on the Lord. Craziest thing happens. I see a person's face. Like, I can, I can almost still see it now. Like, very wrinkled, very distinctive. A Nepalese man, I mean, I, I am clearly, not just like an impression, like, oh, there's a guy with, you know. I see a person with a mask on, right? <laughs> It'd be a great word of knowledge. There's a person <laughs> with a mask, and they have a, they're cold right now. <laughs> that, you, you, no, it was like I could distinctly see the, 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 the lines on this person's face, the, the way their hair was. And so we go out, and I'm just saying, that's, that's interesting. I still don't have much of a context for this. So we go out, go all the way. It's always, isn't it interesting how God always makes you wait like you think it's not going to happen? So we do our whole outreach, and we're coming back, once again, coming back to the hotel. And I turn the corner. Now, here's what you've got to understand that there was uh, an infiltration of the Communist Party in Pokhara, Nepal at this time. So we've been told about this. We've been made a, put on alert. 
about this communist protest, we turn the corner and standing right there is this man. And I mean, that's crazy when all of a sudden you're seeing in real life the person that you've only seen in a vision. And I'm, oh! and I turn to my, the person with me, I'm like, that's the guy I saw. And then I, I, walk, I'm start, I leave and I start walking in to the hotel. And they're like, no, you have to talk to him. Like, that's the way it works. You have to talk to the guy. I'm like, no, it's okay, but that was amazing. I actually saw the guy. They drag me back and start sharing with the guy. Turns out he was one of the main communist leaders in the city. And he's talking about why he's a communist leader, because of the, the change he wanted to see and the reformation he wanted to see. And as he's telling me that, you know, I, I mean, as a, as a very wise, knowledgeable, mature 21-year-old, I said, that's not the way you're going to see change. You know, change is going to come through Jesus. I share the gospel with him right there. Boom, he gives his life to Jesus. I'm like, this is crazy. This communist leader just gave his life to Jesus. It was like we were stepping into the Bible. Next day, we uh, go on a trek, a trek in the Himalayas. And, and, and we're, we're, we're walking, you know, higher and higher and higher and higher. And we get to this mountain village, you know, that seems like the most remote place on the earth, except, you know, the, all the cans of Coca-Cola right there that made it before us. But we, we start telling, we start playing with the, the children. We always love to do that. We always love to, to hang out with the children and, and play with them. And we pull out these tracks to start telling them about how good Jesus was. And this track had Jesus. And some of you have heard me tell that story with, with his arms around these children. And, and, you know, they are so accustomed to having to appease their ancestor gods and, and goddess of death and destruction, like Kali is the goddess of death and destruction in Hinduism. And so they're all hearing about a God who loves them, wants to embrace them, would come down in human form to show and demonstrate his love for them. And all of a sudden, these kids start mobbing us. Like when we pull out these booklets and we say, we're going to give you these booklets, they start mobbing us. I'll never forget, we had a, a, a college basketball player with us. And so he takes the tracks and puts them like this. He's like 6'6". Six, six. And the kids are jumping up, trying to get them. They, they, it, was, it was straight out of, of the Bible where Jesus would be mobbed by a crowd. People so hungry. And my circuits are just being blown. And I'm thinking, this is a journey that I was made for. This is what I was made for. I was coming alive. The Bible was coming alive. You know, uh, every generation has these uh, epic books or epic tales, these epic stories. And if you notice, they always are about a journey. They're always about a journey. I mean, I think about my, my, my grandparents. I grew up in my grandparents' home. And my grandparents' generation had the Wizard of Oz, right? <laughs> Dorothy, Toto, the Scarecrow, on a journey. This, this group of friends on a journey. I, my, my parents' generation, they were the, the first generation of Star Wars, right? Uh, it's like... A few people probably in here saw Star Wars in a theater, Jeff Bianchi. And, and but, but this, this group of friends on, on this journey, um, 
you know, for, for my generation, it was the Lord of the Rings, where, I mean, oh, how, how do you get better than that, right? Legolas, that, that bow, and uh, Gimli. And uh, my, Stephanie and I, uh, I was praying, and, and I haven't ever done this before, but I felt led this year to go back through the Lord of the Rings yeah, with my kids and, and watch, you know, kind of like an hour a night and then talk about the, the biblical themes, right, that were in it. I mean, J.R.R. Tolkien was, was, was breathing some heavenly air when he, when he wrote this. And I mean, but, you know, so maybe, maybe that's a little old for, for you, but how about the Avengers? It's the same thing. It's that, that group of friends going on a journey. Let, 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 me, let me tell you, there's these six themes that I see in every epic story, every epic journey. They're always there. Let me, let me, let me go through them real quick. Uh, the, the first is, it's a journey. I think we have, have there. look, and, and, and here we got Gandalf, right? Little Hobbit, Little Hobbit. Gimli, Aragorn, no, no. Aragorn, Legolas. I mean, it, it's, it's this journey. We're usually going to a distant land, uh, this, this adventure. Uh, th- then secondly, we always have a group of friends, right? We have this, this group of friends. That it's the fellowship, the fellowship of the ring, the, the, the immortality of the elves, the wisdom of the wizard, the axe and strength of the dwarf. The shortness of the hobbits. We've got, there's always a battle. There's always a battle against evil. There's, there's, always, there's always a foe that must be overcome. There's always a need that the foe is always too big to fight in one's own strength. So there always must be a supernatural power to utilize. And without it, they would perish. There's always a world-impacting purpose. Yeah, have you noticed? It's always, it's always about saving the whole world, these epic journeys. And lastly, there's a great reward in the end. There's a great reward in the end. Let me just tell you, Hollywood didn't write this script. Hollywood didn't invent this story. The reason we love this story, the reason we love these components is that they are merely symbolic of the greatest story ever told. It's the story from Genesis to Revelation in this book. It's God's journey to redeem the nations of the world and bring them to salvation to give them as a bride to his son. And when people tap into that, it grabs on to a heart. It inspires us to live for something greater than our own little life. I want to dive into a scripture that's actually a, a microcosm of the whole story. Every once in a while in the Bible, as you start understanding the story, I mean, for, I, I grew up a Christian and I didn't get the whole story. I didn't understand this arc of this story. But every once in a while, you'll get, you'll get a little microcosm in one chapter, and we find one of those. I want to look at it because it's perfect 
for a commission weekend in Luke chapter 10. I want you to look at that with me. I'd love for you to, I'm going to have it on the screen, but I'd love for you to pull it up on your phone because I want you to highlight some different phrases. Because these phrases, might, if you let them, they can actually change the way you see life. Let's read it. It says this, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others. So let me just give you some context. Jesus is on the scene. This is the Gospels. Jesus is on the scene. He's been revealed. We saw him get baptized. He launched his ministry. He called some people to start following him. And he's been doing preaching. He's been doing healing. He's been doing deliverance. But now he actually calls 72. Say 72. That, this is very important to remember. He called 72 others, and he sent them two by two. Say two by two. two, by two. You need a friend. Ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Say, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. One of the most exciting phrases in the Bible and one of the saddest. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go! I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter the house, first say, peace to this house. And if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking, whatever they give you. For the worker deserves his wages. Do not move from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what's offered to you. Heal the sick who are there, and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, even the dust off of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. You be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you'll go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. Listen to this. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Okay, watch this. At that time, Jesus, full of joy. I love that. I needed, I needed that growing up a Christian. At that time, Jesus, full of joy. I imagine Jesus going, ha, 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 and then saying this next thing. Through the Holy Spirit said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you're pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by the Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father and who he chooses to reveal him to. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes 
that see what you see. For I tell you, many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but didn't see it, and hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Oh, that is awesome. Guys, that was the word of God. Let's, let's unpack this for a minute. I see all six elements of the epic story in this passage. First, a group of friends. Um, who, who doesn't want a group of friends, right? I mean, that's why I never missed an episode of Say by the Bell. <laughs> I, yes, I wanted to be Zach Morris, but I wanted to screech. I, wa- I, I, wanted, I wanted my little crew in the max, right? I, I, I wanted... I, I wanted to, to have that little crew, you know, and, and before that, my parents' generation, it was cheers, uh, you know, and then after that, it was friends, and that, that was kind of gross, and, um, <laughs> but you, everyone wants a group of friends. I mean, that was the deepest longing of my heart, and here's what I see. I see Jesus starts with this, after this, the Lord appointed 72, I, I want to tell you that God wants to bring you into kingdom friendships. Uh, and this is, this is really impacting to me because I think so many of us think, well, Jesus called his 12, his 12 disciples. And we, we all of a sudden start having this like full-time ministry thought. And, and so oftentimes we're like, okay, uh, Peter, James, and John, well, that's Bianchi and Kendall and, and, and James. And, and well, bummer, I'm the, I didn't make it. I'm the, I don't think I'm one of the 12. And so I love this. I love this 72 because these, you know what these are? These are followers. These are the followers of Jesus. I mean, Jesus had 12 because that's who he took to start going around with, but then there was a, a, a group, a community. You were made to live in community. You know who the followers are? The followers are you, right? So many times we think, well, there's the 12 and then there's crowds, right? And I'm just kind of one of the crowds. I might get like a little crumb from heaven, but the, the 12 get the, the, the major words. You know how I know you're a follower? Because you were sitting in San Diego on the most subarctic night I've ever experienced since I've lived in this city. And last night, I walked up to the tent, and literally, there were piles of sleet, like hail, on the ground. I thought someone spilled their Sonic drink. It was like perfect little Sonic ice. No, it was hail. And then everyone showed up, and I was like, this, this is revival. Because I remember when I, when I first came to San Diego, it would like mist. It was kind of like, a, I mean, it wasn't even mist. It was like someone gleeking. Did y'all know what it, it's like? And uh, a half of the church wouldn't show up. And I was like, wait, what, what happened? They're like, oh, it's raining. People don't go out in the rain. I'm like, but, but like, it's just water. Like, they, they were just in the shower. Like, humans don't die. And, and so it's sleeting yesterday, and you show up. You know why? Because you're followers. You're not crowds. You know, the crowd showed up with Jesus when he was handing out food. Crowds show up when there's free in and out burger. You show up when it's sleeting. And we made you pay to sit 
You paid to come to church and sit in the freezing, sleeting weekend. That's how you are. So just say, I'm a follower. I'm not a crowd. You're a follower. And so to, to the followers, what, what does Jesus do? He calls them on a journey. It says this, he sent them to every town and place where he was about to go. Do, do you know why I'm obsessed with going to the nations? Did you see that last phrase? He sent them to every town and place where he was about to go. I'm obsessed with going to the nations because I'm obsessed with Jesus. I'm like, Jesus, I want to go where you are. I want to be where you are. Someone, someone says, well, I, I just want to be the one who sits at his feet. And I'm like, good luck because his feet are always moving. Guys, it, it, when I go, when I go, that's when I see Jesus. When I go, that's when I meet Jesus. And so I'm like, if you're moving, I want to go. I want to go. I mean, a lot of times it's just selfish. The first time I ever went on mission trips, it, it, I have to admit it wasn't even as much for them as it was just me. I'm like, Jesus, I've heard you're moving out there, so I want to be out there with you. But, but I also want to say, like, journey is in your heart. I, 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 especially, let me just talk to, to, to you young people right now. You like you, the, the teens to, to, to 30. I, I mean, when I talk to you guys, uh, uh, you know, hey, what do you want to do? I, 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 it's like I never meet someone that doesn't say, well, I want to travel. I want to, you know, I want to go. I want to, I want to backpack through Europe. I want to, I want to go into Southeast Asia. I want to go down into South America. Who do you think put journey in our hearts who do you think put travel in our hearts? But can I tell you, there's something so much more fulfilling than just flying to a place and then finding a cafe and, and just drinking coffee that's just slightly different than what you could drink in North Park. <laughs> I, actually, you could drink the same because we're just importing Colombian and Peruvian and Sudanese coffee. So you could actually do that. It, it, it's when you get out and you do this, it's, you're, it, it, he said, go into the homes. You, you haven't been in cultures until you've been in the homes. I, I mean, I, I, I've been like dancing in Turkish homes, you know, uh, and, and, and I've been like eating pickled fish in ice homes in Siberia. And like, I, I remember sitting in a, in a, climbing up this ladder and sitting in this thatched hut in, in the Amazon where they had never seen someone that looked like me. And I'm like, what's that? And they're like, that's an anaconda. I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? And they said, the river you were just swimming in. <laughs> oh, I wish someone would have told me. They never tell you those things when you're getting in. It's always when you're getting out. You were, you were made to experience the cultures of the earth. Just, just talk to our ones that are living in different cultures. It, it, they're not like, oh, poor me. They are eating it up. You're, you were made for adventure. And the reason I believe there's so much sin in the church is there's not enough adventure in our lives. God made you to be too busy for sin. It's hard to sin when you're always moving. Right? It, it's hard to look at pornography when you're running. Hello? That wasn't in the notes. 
Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Matthew 28, 18. Go make disciples of all nations. You are made to go. It's when you're sitting around that you get in trouble. It's when you're sitting around that you get bored. You are made to go on a journey. I dare you, try it out. Thirdly, um, you're made to fight against evil. You were made to fight against evil. One of the problems we have in America is that we, we're not out fighting against evil, so we end up fighting each other. And even more, this young generation, because you're not fighting evil, you actually start fighting yourself. You become your own enemy because you can't ever get your life perfect enough to fo- totally fulfill yourself. Because you never were created to, you were created to go on a journey with a group of friends and take on a real enemy, and his name is the devil. I remember when we uh, first got here, you know, and, 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 and what do you do? How do you plant a church? And so what we do is we just listen to the Lord. And some of you have heard this story. I, I'm asking the Lord, Lord, what do we, what do, we do? And, and one day he just go to the corner of, of College Avenue and El Cajon Boulevard at 10 a.m. And so Kendall and I go there, and two by two, you got to have a faith-filled friend. Everyone needs a Kendall. Everyone needs a Samwise Ganji in their life. I can't carry the ring, Frodo, but I can carry you. We need that kind of friend. Because these guys are coming, you see? And uh, I, remember, I remember this woman... This woman on the, on, the, on the street, and she and her friend are, are trying to catch the bus to go to the hospital because she's, she's afflicted uh, with this physical thing. And we say, well, can we pray for you? And as we start praying for her, the Lord just gives me a word of knowledge. This woman has been mistreated. At that time, a demonic presence came on her, and, and, and we boldly speak that out, and all of a sudden, she starts coughing and spitting and sputtering. And we told her about Jesus and we commanded the thing to leave. And she gets radically healed and right there on the street gets saved. There is a real enemy, but the Lord has given you power to trample on the scorpions, to destroy, to cast out the demons. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to just watch Jedis. I want to be one. No, I, 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 am, I am serious. Like, where do you think they got this? Like, they put their hand out and the person goes, Vroosh. like, I've seen that happen. You were made to walk in supernatural power, and you will never be fulfilled. You will never fulfill your destiny until you are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And how does it happen? Cry out, cry out, cry out until it falls on you. And then once it falls on you, go looking for sick and broken and hurting people and lay your hands on them and let the power of God flow through you. There's nothing like it. There is nothing like it. Supernatural power. Uh, 
I, I, I love, I love this scene. Uh, I don't know if you can see it um, from, from the Lord of the Rings when Gandalf comes up and the king is just all messed up and, you know, he's just being terrorized and Gandalf pulls out his staff and just casts the demon out of that guy. Um, oh, that, that, that is amazing. The, the scripture says this, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Um, you know, some of you are like, well, but that's, that's not me. I don't have that gift. Or, you know, that's only a certain type of Christian. That's really what I thought. I'll never forget being in Arequipa, Peru. I love Peru. We're about to plant a church in Peru in uh, two months here. We're in Arequipa, Peru, and we, we, we do a, a drama on the street. Our kids do a puppet show. Powerful. <laughs> Powerful. And, 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 and a crowd is gathered, and we, we say, we're going to, uh, I'm, I'm kidding. It actually wasn't that powerful. It's like, it's like anything to draw a crowd. That's my motto in the nations. Um, and so there, there are people gathered around, we, and we, we say, we're going to pray for the sick. And our little kids, the oldest of which was 12, so it's the oldest person praying for this woman. And this woman, you can tell, she's haggard, she, she looks beat up, and she comes up and she, t she explains to the kids that she has cancer. And it's not one of those, sometimes people look great and they have cancer. This woman looked ravaged by this sickness. And so they pray for her, and they start, the kids start seeing her, like, moving and contorting. The power of God is hitting her. I mean, there's nothing. The only thing better than you doing it is watching your little kids have this. Some of, you, some of you parents know what I'm talking about. And if they don't, please take your kids to the nations. It will be the greatest blessing for them. So our kids are praying, and this woman just gets totally, totally touched by the Spirit. So we're like, this is awesome. But she has cancer. It's not one of those things where a bone can snap back in place or where you can tell what happened. So we were like, that was awesome. Our kids were excited about it, but we thought that was the end of the story. That night, we're in a church ministering. And this woman shows up and she is bringing a, 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 a person that looks horrible, bandaged up. And she comes up and she stops the pastor and, and says, you have to pray for my brother. And he goes, okay, sure, would love to. And she goes, no, 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 you have to pray for my brother because today I met these people on the street. Okay, she looks so different that we didn't even recognize her. She goes, I met these people on the street. They prayed for me, and I went home, and I passed a cancerous tumor this big came out of my body. I was like, wow! And I was like, gross! And I was like, don't tell me how it came out! If you know me, I've got like squeamish and germ phobes. So I was like, cool testimony, don't tell me more. <laughs> but this woman is completely different, and so much so that she she went and said to to her her it was a brother, a friend, I don't remember exactly, Stephanie, but this guy, she she goes to find the person that she knew 
who was sickest to bring them to the people of God. She hunted us down at the church to give glory to God. She gave, she stands up in front of the church giving this testimony. Never been to the church before. People go crazy. Oh man, you were made to see the supernatural power of God. You gotta have it. You gotta see it. Paul says this, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. I mean, I, I, if, if you've heard one thing, hopefully you've heard this, this week that you don't have to be qualified in this world. I mean, I just love what Matt was talking about and then talking about going to the nations and, and, and saying he doesn't look like a missionary. And, and, and then I love Chad making fun of him and he was like, you know, if you're not as good looking as, as him, bald, I, you know, but maybe you're not as bald as me. And I'm like, hey, I have the blue jean jacket. I'm not as good looking as Matt. I'm not as bald. That's me, right? It's like perfectly describe me. Dad on the bottom, cool on the top, right? Um, it's like I'm right between. <laughs> My message was not with wise or persuasive words, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power. You need the power of God. We want to pray for you tonight to receive the power of God. Fifthly, fifthly, epic stories always have a world-impacting purpose. They always have a world-impacting purpose. I love that it says rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And you see Jesus talking about, he's saying, woe to these cities, to Chorazin, to Bethsaida, to Capernaum. Why? Because if you don't repent, you're actually heading towards hell. I'll never forget, we went from that mountain kingdom of Nepal and flew from there to Calcutta, India. Wow, an overload of your senses. If you've gone to India, it, it does a number on your senses. The sheer mass of people, the smells, there's so many sounds. And then you land in Calcutta, like the epicenter of that, and, and so we're there, we're on the street, and there's just a sea of people walking, and we're in front of this tiny little church on the sidewalk, and they have us do our drama again, and so, so there's our drama team going, and, and, and I'm watching just the masses of people, probably as wide as from the front to the back of the tent, just a sea of people walking, and a few would stop and, and, and be drawn to the, to the drama, but it was one of those times where God just lifted the veil of this earth from my eyes for just a moment, and it was like I could see into the spirit realm, and I was watching this mass of people, but as I watched them, they walked down the street, and they walked straight into these flames, and I could tell it was the flames of hell, and it broke my heart. I'm like, God, 
How can these people, so many of them, were poor and broken. God, they're living such a painful life on earth, but they're going to walk right into the flames of hell. Do you believe in a real heaven and a real hell? Because if you do, it will change the way you live. Because that vision marked on me, I can still see it today, 24 years later, that people are headed to a Christless eternity, that if they don't hear Jesus and they don't repent of their sins and they don't receive the gift of his forgiveness and his salvation, they will spend not just a week in a place of fire and weeping and gnashing of teeth, not just a year. That would be horrible enough, but they will spend eternity, and that's not okay. It's not okay. Like every person I meet, I realize like they're an eternal being. Do you know every person that you know, every person you meet, every person walking the streets of San Diego, they're an eternal being, and they're headed for one or two places. Like there's no in-between. Do you believe that? And so I saw that. And it broke my heart. And I've never been the same. And I pray that you grab hold of that. Because if you grab hold of it, it will pull you past your uncomfortable. Like, I, I'm a, I have a high cringe factor. <laughs> like, I don't even want to go out, like, dressed in, in like, you know, like, I, some of you, you're so, like, relaxed. You could show up here with house slippers on. And you feel good. No, like that, I, I cringe if I do something like that. So, so think about walking up to someone and basically telling them, hey, you're going to go to hell. Like that's high on the cringe factor, right? Wow, that's kind of cool. I could be like, woo. Um, you like desperately needed some comic relief when you're talking about the flames of hell. I, I, I wanted, I always wanted for my life to count for something. That, that there's no greater purpose for your life than tying it in to God's story that started way before you were born, way before your mama was born, way before your grandma was born, way before your great-grandma was born, way before... David, King David, was born way, way before Moses was born. 6,000 years. Actually, from the foundations of the world, this story has been set in place that Father God is a loving daddy who is longing for people of every kindred, nation, tribe, and tongue to hear about him. The people in Papua New Guinea, the people in North Korea right now, the people in Siberia, the, 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 the natives of the, the Eskimo villages, the people all the way down in, in Chile, the, the ones on the Amazon River. God's heart is breaking. I love what my friend says. He says, God's heart beats people, 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 people. I'm like, God, let that ring in my ears. Let that ring in my heart because I get so about me and my life gets so small and I just start wanting to, to, to just live my own little and, and get it all perfect. And, and you're calling me for this world impacting purpose. And lastly, 
there's a great reward. It said, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Um, do you know that if you, if you live this message, if you go on that journey, if, if, if you will give up your comforts to go on the journey to make your life about winning back a bride for the Son of God, like it's not just Aragorn with Gandalf that gets the crown. It's you're going to end up in the throne room of God Almighty. And the Bible says that there will actually be a crown put on your head. Actually, not just one. Like you have the victor's crown. You have the perseverer's crown. You have the soul winner's crown. Do you think about like, yeah, you, you might not ever feel like you have anything in this world but you know what? That's probably good because you're heading towards a throne room where you actually get a crown, where the Bible, listen to this, the Bible actually says that he's going to invite those who live this kind of life we're talking about to come and sit on a throne to rule and reign with him. Talk about a great reward. Well, I didn't make the grade I wanted to in science. Man, they got my order wrong at Starbucks. Man, I wanted that Tesla, but I... All I got is these rollerblades. And God's saying, you're thinking too small. You're thinking way too small. Like, there's a crown that I want to put at your... Um, so, Jeff, I, too, saw Star Wars in the theater. It had been out quite a few years by then, Jeff. Um, but I saw it when I was four. And I saw this scene. Do you have this picture? Do you remember this scene? And, uh, th this is the epitome. This is, you look up epic in the TV, movie, dictionary, Hollywood dictionary, and it is this scene where Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and Chewie uh, are walking. And, and it's, you know, it's the multitudes to their side, and they are walking to the front because they have just been on the most epic journey. It looked impossible to fight that evil, that evil, that, 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 the tyranny of Darth Vader and his stormtroopers. And, and so they had to learn to wield this, this supernatural power and they had to learn in their weakness to, to use the force and, and they fought it and they saved the world. And at the end, what happens? They get to march forward. This group of friends, this, this group that was totally different, you know, like big Chewbacca and little C-3PO and uh, R2-D and this totally diverse group of friends, Selah. And they come together 
And then they receive these victor's medals. And I remember at four years old seeing that, and I was like, I want that. Like four years old, it was in me. I'm like, Dad, that's what I want. Like I'm still thinking about it, right? Why? Because this is a picture of something more real than what we're experiencing as we're sitting here today. In the end, you, your group of friends, the people that you've contended for end up in the throne room where Jesus himself takes out the crown to put it on your head. And there is nothing I want more in this whole life to get there, to have run the race, to have given my last perspiration, my last piece of hair. <laughs> crash into heaven, you you know. And him say, that a boy. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now enter into your master's joy. That is what you are made for. That is what you are called to. Don't settle for a lesser story. Don't settle for a smaller journey. You are made to not just read history, but to make history. Why don't we stand up?